This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Good news, this episode just today, Thursday mid-afternoon, the players and the owners reached an agreement So we do have a ratified collective bargaining agreement. We are officially in free agency. So we're going to be getting into that. This show we will briefly discuss the uh, particulars of the uh, labor agreement. And then we'll get into some uh, potential Red Sox moves that could be happening in the next several hours or minutes. And This is 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night, so we're not sure. Perhaps we could get some uh, signings here. Uh, Not one officially yet. It's been a much quieter uh, first few hours than any of us anticipated. But uh, Andrew Dwan, Job Goddard with me this episode. How are you guys? This is take two for the audience after some technical issues. You know... Doing a lot better than I have been doing the last 99 days. Joe? I'm doing a lot better than I was on this show a week ago with the two of you gentlemen when I predicted a June 1st start date <laughs> to the season. True. And I was the optimistic one. I said May 1st, so I'm, I was the closest, even though I'm way off. But uh, yeah, so good, good. So we'll uh, kick it back to Andrew again. You're pretty surprised about uh the fact that it happened yeah you know um after they broke off a couple days ago i thought there was no chance that they were going to come back to this i thought we were going to be in it for the long haul with the lockout but then they started talking last night they started talking again this morning didn't want to get optimistic kind of let myself get optimistic then all the reports once they were voting were You know, the Players Council doesn't like it. They're still pushing for a higher CBT. And that's when I was like, it's over. This is going to be done for a while. But (laughs) somehow all the other, all the teams voted against the council and we got the majority. I think they got 26 of the 38, only needed 20. And now we're playing ball. This is great. When they went 0 for 8 on the executive committee, they had to go 20 for 30 is how the math shakes out. And luckily, yeah, that's yeah, like you said, you, you don't go 2 for 3 in baseball very often. <laughs> nope. And they uh, ended up getting 26 out of the remaining 30. So that was pretty good. Joe, what are your thoughts on how the day went down? Well, uh, a couple of different directions is how this went down right i mean the first thing that happened is you wake up you check twitter another day no deal um and then to find out passan's getting hacked it's like oh here we go again this is just going to be a a circus for another day 
And the only people tweeting with optimism were John Heyman and Bob Nightingale. And we know how that went two weeks ago when we were in the same position. Uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. In fact, I thought when the international draft was settled earlier this morning that the players were going to walk away from the table because of the pre-arbitration bonus pool being so low, and we were going to wait four days before they even got back in the same room, and I would be doing this dance for another week or so before we came to an agreement. So nothing but smiles here. Um, I'm shocked. I'm very happy. I hate Max Scherzer. Uh, he's on the uh, the uh, no-trade list ever for my team. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of any of the other players on that executive committee at the moment because that deal was pretty damn fair. As far as I'm concerned, I think the, the players definitely, you know, they got 80% of what they wanted. They got more out of what, what they thought they would get, and they got more than the owners wanted to give up, and they still voted no. That is a little bit greedy in my estimation. And um, the, facts that, the fact that Max Scherzer makes $43 million a year and uh, was willing to die on this hill upsets me a little bit. It was kind of a roller coaster week for me because I started this out on the player side because I, I was a little upset with how 2020 went down. You know, I, I thought the owners could have taken a little bit better care of them. And then when, when the minimum salary for rookies came up and they elevated the luxury tax uh, or the competitive balance uh, tax, I started to side more with the owners at that point. Uh, I thought they were, you know, making an honest effort to, to try to get in. But then today when we're finding out that Mets players are upset because they added a new fourth tier to the competitive balance tax. So that's going to be like really harsh penalties for teams that go there. And they're thinking with Steve Cohen and the Mets, they're probably going to be the ones to do it. And so I started to get frustrated with the players again at that point, because I'm like, the owners are giving you guys a fair deal here. And, you know, and then I don't know if it was ever confirmed if Scherzer was one of the Mets players. I mean, that's what we're all kind of assuming. So supposedly he was the ringleader, according to John Heyman, okay. for the not yeah, voting the, in favor. He was the main guy on the council, wasn't he? That as well. He was kind of the face of this whole thing from a union perspective. Yeah. And so when that started happening, you know, I was getting pretty frustrated and it just makes me wonder what if Scherzer signed with, I don't know, let's say the Red Sox or the Yankees. Is he, is he going to somehow still be that vehemently against that fourth tier? Yes. And the the reason that I think, this whole thing was was really silly from Scherzer's perspective, or you know, when talking about Scherzer, is that Steve Cohen came out and said he would happily pay the tax if it could just get this thing over with. There's one thing, you know, people have not been happy with Steve Cohen as the owner of the Mets because of the way that he's talked to his players, the way he's taken to social media. He's a fan of the New York Mets and he's a fan of baseball, and that's why he bought the team. He has, you know, what we like to call FU money. He does not care about the money, whether he's making, you know, 7% or 8% or 22% the way the rest of these owners do. 
he just wants to win and he wants to watch baseball games as an owner. So I think it was stupid of the Mets players to be so against this. They're all going to get paid. Cohen's going to pay the tax and he does not care. Um, it's not like you have an owner crying poor and the players are thinking, oh, no, we're not going to get paid now. If the Reds players had voted against it after you know their ownership group has basically said anybody who wants any money has to go elsewhere, I would understand it far more. Little devil's advocate on there. Do we actually think it was Steve Cohen that was like the reason he was thinking, well, we don't want him. We, we want higher than 260. It was Boris at the end of the day, right? I think, I think so. we can all agree on that. I mean, I think five of the eight players that are on the union, you know, executive committee are Boris clients. They so were. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And honestly, I mean, I don't blame, I'll never blame them for wanting more and more and more, but I think it got to the point today that they had to take this deal or else it was going to be really, it it wasn't going to be okay. They they got, you know, they weren't going to get everything back in one, in one CBA. They can do, do this song and dance again in five years. Hopefully, you know, they can chisel away at it and agree on something before it gets to this point again. But they came out pretty well at the end of the day. Yeah, well, it, let's be it was real a fair here. deal. Um, I thought it was a fair deal. Most most people did. In five years, I, I hate to say this, because the fans listening to the show don't want to hear this, and I don't want to hear this. It's going to be worse the next time around. And the reason I say that is because the next time around, the guys who are going to be on the executive committee are currently rookies. They are the ones who are pushing for this and asking for the increased minimums. It's going to be guys like Juan Soto, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., who we know are already very active uh, in this negotiation, are going to be on those executive committees, are going to be at the bargaining table with Major League Baseball. And they're going to want more than what they're getting now. And they're going to be probably two years into their first big contract it's going to be somewhat problematic, I think, the next time around. But for this time, we have now five years of baseball. So I could care less. We'll deal with it again in five years. It's kind of how I have to look at it. I think I, I agree that next time it, it's going to be messy and it's going to be trickier. But I think the owners gave so much that there's going to have to be a little bit more of a market correction next time. You know, some of the concessions are going to have to be a little bit more conservative. I mean, we can't have a luxury tax, you know, the the first tier being at like 270, 280. I just think it's too short of a window to, to go from just 210 at the end of 2021 to a level like that. So I, I think I think the players are going to be expecting a lot more of what we saw this time, a lot of huge concessions and I don't think the owners are necessarily going to have to or going to be able to give those. And that that could cause for another prolonged uh, lockout. Now, I wouldn't be surprised, Terry, if if they lower the number of regular season games in the next one and and we end up playing 152 or or 144 um, and having 14 playoff teams instead, because that's where all the money is made for the owners. We know the 14 playoff teams is going to be in the next CBA. That's going to be what the owners want. And that's going to probably be the first thing the players offer up in exchange. So I don't, I don't we'll know see. about um, that. 
and the reason I say that is because it seemed like it was off the table a few weeks ago. And if there's that many teams, then the owners have less incentive to to spend big money because they're going to be like, well, you know, we could just spend around two hundred million and probably still well, get in, probably still be well, the seventh seed. Here's the thing, Terry, is I think the future of Major League Baseball is not thirty teams; it's thirty-two, and it's it's coming up fast. I think we're going to see two expansion teams probably around the time of the next collective bargaining agreement. Uh, some of the cities have already been talked about, you know, Vegas, Portland, Montreal, um, Nashville. Yeah. There's going to be two more teams, I think, in the league, and that's going to be a big kind of push for expanded playoffs because there's going to be more teams vying at the dish to uh, to get in. And uh, I know that that's kind of on hold until the Oakland A's situation is figured out and they move out of Oakland. Um, but it is something that I think – fans are going to have to realize it's going to be 32 pretty soon. I don't know if they're going to want teams that are at 500 or perhaps a little below 500 getting in. And I don't know if, if two extra teams is going to help prevent that, you know, from happening. So we'll see. But I'm, I'm glad that it did stay. It did stay 12 teams because a couple of days ago when the owners were suddenly willing to go from what was it 220 to 230 major strings were said to be attached to that and i'm thinking right away oh here we go 14 14 teams in the playoffs but that was never serious you know this late in the game yeah i don't want to get too deep into it but like because obviously speculation but if they're going to 32 maybe at that point you're just doing the best 14 teams since both leagues have the same rules now you don't really have to worry about you know one team or one league having the advantage of the dh and the other not so i could absolutely see them doing that so they could avoid having you know a uh what 78 and 84 team you know making the 13 seed you know yeah i mean it would be a little embarrassing every year especially if that if that below 500 team were to go a couple of rounds as well, you know, because they got hot at just the right time. I I just want there to be integrity with the playoffs and, and, you know, the best teams being in it and I can live with 12 and we were talking about that. And Job, you know, kind of backed me on that. 14 was too much. Last year was the best wild card race we've ever it seen. Would, it would have two. Well, here's the thing: is not only that, and it was right down to the wire. We were watching Seattle. We mentioned it last week. We were watching games in Seattle to see whether or not we were going to get in. Um, you would have had two teams with losing records in the playoffs last year. That's not good for the sport. It's not, and I've said this a bunch of times. I'll say it at least one more time: if the Red Sox at any point in the season, lose one more game and Toronto wins one more game, we end up playing them in game 163. Toronto probably beats us. And then I think they go to the World Series. I, I think they were so hot. Their pitching was coming around. Alex Manoa was becoming a much bigger presence in their rotation. And I think they were so hot, they probably would have went to the World Series. I don't know if they would have beaten Atlanta, but... 
they would have went on a, a heck of a run. Uh, I don't disagree. And that, that 163 scenario, game 163, no longer exists in the new CBA. That, that is something worth mentioning. We're going to an NFL-style tiebreaker scenario in the event of a tie, which I absolutely hate. Um, what is that? I'm not familiar so with be that. It. So it'll, it'll be in-division record and head-to-head and a bunch of other layers to that that we can break down on another show because it, it there are a lot of layers. Okay. Uh, probably take a while to go through. But uh, it does mean there will be no more game 163s. Uh, at least for this season, and and the real uh, the real reason for that is because they don't have any room for game one sixty three now in the calendar because they had to move games to the end of the season here to uh, satisfy one sixty two after this delayed opening day. Um, but I think it'll be here to stay. Okay, uh, that makes sense, I guess. Um, so let's just explain the playoff format real quick to the audience. So basically, it's going to be six American League teams, six National League teams. The two teams with the best, uh, the two division winners, I should say, with the best records are going to get the buys. So there's going to be one division winner that's going to be relegated to the first round of the playoffs. And there's going to be three wildcard teams in that first round. So the one division winner that gets relegated to that round will play the bottom seed, I'm assuming. And then uh, that first round is best two out of three. And then once you get past that round and it's uh, it's down to the final four on each side, it'll be, uh, I'm assuming, still best three out of five and then best out of seven in the league championship series. And then again, best out of seven in the world series. So three teams vying for the wild cards this year instead of two. And, uh, and yeah. And do the, the seeds reshuffle? I think they do. I think, I don't know. I don't believe that they recede. Really? Okay. I should have, I should have checked that. That that was a condition of, of the, new format that they did not want actually receding. I think what you're I right. am seeing here guys so what I am seeing here and, and this is not breaking news so to speak uh, but it is news and it is 36 minutes old Freddie Freeman will pick between the Braves or the Yankees over the weekend it is the report uh, coming out of ESPN We'll see where that goes. I thought the uh, Dodgers were in on him too. Hopefully, I, I thought so as well. The, the, the newest report from obvious uh, does Braves or Yankees. Let's hope it's the Braves in that case. I do not want to face a short port in right field. Uh, see. You're getting a little choppy there, Joe, but go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I I think Freddie's got a few good years left in him, but that could easily turn to the Teixeira deal all over again. So, I mean, if the Yankees get him, good for Freddie. He got paid. I don't know. It it would – the Braves would have to do a lot of, um, you know, just damage control if they they let him walk, which – 
I mean, maybe that's a prerogative. Maybe they'll go after Matt Olson after. It'd probably actually be smarter, but you just locked out fans for 99 days and then you let the face of your franchise leave. It better have, it better be for just an absolute overpay by whoever he sides with, whether it be the Dodgers or the Yankees.